When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days, these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, I am Jim, I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in with us to take a listen to this week's episode of the show. Um, This is an episode that, I'm not going to lie to you, I fanboyed over a little bit. Um, Before I got into country music and, you know, what we're doing here now, I was really big into the genre that Drew Holcomb is in. And I would call that Americana. Um, you know, Drew Holcomb, Stephen Kellogg, um, Will Hogue, you know, people in that realm. Um, I've shied away from Americana in the, over the last couple of years for a lot of reasons. Um, but it's still, you know, at the heart of it, it's still really country music. Um, you know, the storytelling is there, the inspirational stuff is there you know the the southern hospitality if i dare say so um is all there and drew holcomb i discovered drew um oh god it's been probably shit seven years now since i first heard drew holcomb um he has this magnolia record record thing that he does where you sign up for a service and you get, you know, a record a month. Uh, or that's how it was when I was signed up. So I signed up because of Stephen Kellogg. Um, and I had saw that his record was going to be the feature of the month. So I said, screw it. I'll sign up and see what I get. And I got some really great stuff, some strange stuff, but some really good stuff too. Um, and one of the albums I got was Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors live at the Ryman Auditorium. And I got to tell you, and we talk about it a little bit in the episode. I, if you're looking for a live album from an artist you like or don't know, or, you know, if you don't know who Drew Holcomb is, pick up Live at the Ryman because it is absolutely fantastic. Start to finish. It sounds incredible. Um, I would say it is the quintessential live album of the last 10, 15 years. I really would. Um, and there's some really great live albums that have come out in that time, but this is one of the best for sure. But, um, anyway, I kind of digress. So Drew is, Drew has been, I've been a big fan, you know, for a very long, long time. So a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking to myself, myself, um, I wonder if I could get Drew on the show and I reached out to his people and, you know, few days had gone by and they were like yes let's do it absolutely would love to have drew on the show um i kind of got like you know nervous because here i am i'm going to interview somebody i really admire and look up to and i you know i i mean that that's that's no bullshit i i truly truly mean that um you know and I'm, i'm i feel like i'm going on and on about this but um you know my wife and i were able to see drew uh many years ago now at the um, Paradise Rock Club here in Boston, and we're going to get into that too. That's another thing. That's another live um, show that you can see in its entirety on YouTube. And again, we we talk about that, so I don't want to, I won't dive into that too much. But but go check that out as well. Um, so if you don't know Drew Holcomb um, and his band, The Neighbors, you, you got to do yourself a favor, check it out. Um, I wouldn't call him country music. I would call him Americana, hundred percent. Um, he does have some elements of country in his, in his music. Um, I really don't think you're, you'd be disappointed by checking him out. I really don't. I really, really don't. Um, 
but yeah so again thank you so much for tuning in don't forget we only have a few more days before the we only have let's see today is it's the beginning of the week Thursday is the last day to vote for podcast of the year. So I would love it if you did that. You can go to Country Talk and you can go to Dirt Road FM to vote for us for podcast of the year. I would honestly, truly appreciate it more than you could ever know. Um, we work hard here at the Boots and Whiskey podcast. So to be recognized, even to be just nominated is, has been a thrill. But to, to win is really what i'm hoping for (laughs) i'm not gonna lie to you um but anyway without further ado you know please go vote for us check out our socials instagram facebook twitter tiktok you know the whole nine yards we're there um and really without further ado here is our conversation with the very lovely and very humble and very kind drew holcomb artist friends local friends and everybody looking for a little bit of nashville here in central mass Come check out Off the Rails in Worcester. You can go see their website, offtherailsworcester.com. They have their restaurant menu. They have their venue schedule. Go check them out. Real good friends of ours here at the show. You don't want to miss out on this place, offtherailsworcester.com. Again, restaurant, a little taste of Nashville, and a great music scene. Come check it out. Hey, Drew. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Hey, man. Thanks so much for being on. This is a, for me, this is like a, a fanboy moment in my musical journey. That's for sure. Awesome. Let me, let me put on some headphones. So I'm not, let's see. Coming through the, uh, the audio just should sound better that way. Yeah, no problem. Where are you calling from? Um, so we're right in between Worcester, Mass and Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, we uh we were fortunate enough to see you. God, it's been years now. It seems like, but at the uh, the Paradise, one of the last times you were up here. Oh man, I love that place. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the uh, local, I guess NPR affiliate, or I guess it's a public TV affiliate. Also, don't forget our friends over at hogwashandrhinestones.com. Our good friend Ray is the owner over there. She makes incredible clothing that you've seen all over the place from Nashville to Boston to everywhere in between. Some really big names have worn her stuff. That's hogwash, the letter N, rhinestones.com. Check them out. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. You won't be disappointed. Check them out. Hogwash and rhinestones.com. Hey, that's better. I don't know what's going on. A, a, A call came in. When I declined uh, it, it, it drops. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun that way. This app, it really is. Uh, gotta, <laughs> gotta love Spotify. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, so we, what we were saying, um, I had saw you up here at the Paradise, uh, one of the last times you were up this way, and uh, you were talking about the NPR affiliate. Yeah, yeah, they had done they they, but uh, they they have a show, I guess, live from the Paradise or something like that. Anyways, that whole show is available online. Uh, I think it's the only like full length show of ours that people can just find on YouTube. So uh, I hear about I hear about that show a lot from people. Yeah, it, it was a great show. You know, it was, thank you. It was my first time seeing you live, um, and it it totally blew me away. It was. Oh, it was thank you, thank you. Yeah, we we uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. You know, because I've I've been a fan now for years, and um, you know, probably shit hell since like 2015 ish. Um, I had discovered medicine kind of like out of nowhere. Um, we've always done, we used to do work with, you know, a lot of Americana artists like, you know, Stephen Kellogg and Brett Denning and, you know, those guys. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you kind of popped up on the radar and, um, you know, medicine to me is, is perfection from start to finish. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. We're, uh, we're, uh, yeah, definitely proud of that one. That one, that one seemed to open up a lot of new ears to us which is great yeah it it really is you know and then and then we signed up for the magnolia record club for a little while yeah um and the first album i got off of that was i think stephen kellogg one of stephen kellogg's albums and then the next one i got was live at the ryman oh cool and i tell people all the time you know my parents generation it was like you know you had to have Frampton comes alive. And I tell people all the time, it's like, you have to have live at live at the Ryman by Drew Holcomb. 
Oh, thanks, man. I love that. Yeah. Now, how, how does that come How does that come about for you? You know, from when, you know, how you started to where you are now, like how, how what does that road look like for you? Well, it's a long, I mean, it's a, you know, classic long and winding road experience for us. I mean, I, I have been at this now for since, you know, since 2003. So almost 20 years is when I, my, from my first time ever playing a show to, to now. And so there's probably 2,000, 2,500, I don't know, I don't know how many shows since then, but, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not a thousand songs written and, um, it's a sort of use a baseball analogy. My manager always talk about like, you know, we've never had like a grand slam moment, but we've had a lot of, uh, had a lot of singles and doubles and a couple home runs along the way. And really it's just, our story is just one of the grind, you know, uh, started out playing cover songs at bars and working in some original songs and then playing kind of any college or coffee shop that would have me and uh slowly but surely uh, started building a following kind of in the southeast where i knew a lot of people and um started having some songs placed on you know tv shows and uh yeah one thing just kind of led to another then over the years got invited to go on bigger tours as an opening act and um had a lot of you know non-commercial radio stations start playing our music and yeah, it's just that one person at a time way is kind of how we made it. And, uh, you know, I look back now and, you know, we've got millions of people that want, listen to us on their streaming services. And I mean, I've lived through like four different itinerations of the, of even how people consume music, you know, yeah. started, started in the CD era and in the download era and now the streaming era and the sort of vinyl side thing that's happened as well. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's been, been a lot of fun but at the, at the core of it it's always been about trying to write songs that 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 speak uh honestly from where i'm coming from and record with a great band and let, let the chips fall so yeah uh, yeah that's that's incredible i mean so are you from nashville originally no i'm from memphis uh about okay. 200 miles away and then went to went to school in knoxville and that's really where i kind of cut my teeth at first Gotcha. Play, playing shows and then I moved back to Memphis, then I moved back to Knoxville, then I ended up in Nashville in 2006. Yeah. Now, how, how did that happen? How did you decide to settle there? Um, my wife's from here. That's as simple oh, okay. as that. Yeah. It's, and it, uh, she, she got a job teaching eighth grade uh, language arts here in this neighborhood that we live in. And about a year into our marriage, we decided that, you know, me being gone all the time and her teaching you know, working 60, 70 hours a week was not going very well. And, um, I, I said, either I'm going to quit or you need to join the band. And so she said, well, we're young enough. Let's I'll join the band. Let's see what happens. Wow. And then, and then she was in the band for maybe, that was see, 2007 to 12. She was in the band for about six years. Yeah. And then we started having kids and then she decided to do her own thing. And so, um, yeah, Nashville has been great. I mean, I, as a, as a, as a Memphis kid, I didn't really want to move to Nashville. I kind of, yeah. Had a had a chip on my shoulder about it, and thought it was just like country and Christian music, and moved here and realized <laughs> it was it was so much more than that, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny. I say all the time about how how badly I would love to move to you know Central Tennessee and and out that way, and you know people pe- people from up here laugh at me all the time, but it's like it's such a great spot. Yeah, it's, it's a great place to live. It's a great place to to you know, people from all over the country live move here and. Uh, but it's getting, it's getting expensive and getting crowded. So, uh, you know, I hope we, hopefully don't, we don't lose our, our, uh, you know, our attraction. Yeah. But, now, is that where you get your sound is from being from Memphis? Because I mean, every, anybody that knows anything about music, you know, Memphis in and of itself is its own cultural culture, music, musically. Um, how much of that do you bring into your writing? I think the thing I took most away from Memphis or took with me from, from my upbringing in Memphis was the sort of independent sort of contrarian spirit yeah. of being, of being independent and not trying to make music to fit inside of a genre. Uh, Memphis, a lot of Memphis music over the years has been sort of, um, you know, sort of charted its own course and whether that's Elvis or soul music or even current, you know, bands have been at for a long time, like Lucero, North Mississippi All-Stars. I mean, everybody's kind of always done their own thing and had a little bit of a grit to what they do. And I think I took that with me, you know. Um, but but it, but at the same time, I, I grew up in the 90s listening to 
U2 and Pearl Jam more than I would grow up listening to Elvis Presley and Al Green. So yeah. I don't want to like, I don't want to, you know, create some mythology about, you know, I was, you know, down at the juke joints, you know, listening to the blues when I really, I was, you know, driving to high school out in the suburbs, listening to rock radio, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I hear that all the time where, you know, you know, you're, I think you're a little older than me, but you know, we have that same musical sense where it's, you know, everything that was popular in the nineties, you know, that's, that's regardless of where we are now, that's, that's the influence, right? Yeah, for sure. And I met, you know, I did. My parents loved listening to oldies and I grew up on Dylan probably more than anybody else. My dad's a big Dylan fan that obviously affect, you know, uh, sort of influenced me as a just wanting to be sort of a, a songwriter's songwriter or songwriter's artist, you know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, the genre thing was such a, you know, it still is. There's so many sort of places to, the genre barriers don't exist in my brain. Like, like they like they do for radio formats and so uh you know we we just put some horns on a new song that we're doing even though we don't tour with horns but it's like why not there's no rules you know right. we do whatever we want so right and now in the age of streaming you know it doesn't it doesn't matter you know it no really it doesn't. doesn't that's right people are going to find what they like you know and if they like you they're going to listen to you regardless if you put horns in or if you you know put a tube yep. in a, in your song they don't give a shit you know it's yeah it's true they just want to hear you um now when did you start writing songs? Did you start writing before you went to college? Have, was it something you was you were always doing? No, no, not at all. It was a very specific uh, uh, time. I, I went my spring of my junior year. I, I went to study abroad over in Scotland. Okay. And I didn't really know anybody over there. I wasn't like necessarily feeling lonely, but I just didn't. I was alone, so I didn't. I, I just had a lot of time on my hands, and I took my guitar with me when I flew over there. And so I would, you know, uh, when I got there, the winters in Edinburgh are very, very dark. The sun comes up at like 10 AM and goes back down at three 30. And so I just would sit in my flat after going to classes and just started writing songs. And I also had gone through a pretty, uh, personal, significant personal tragedy at the end of high school. My brother, who was uh, a special needs kid had passed away and, uh, yeah, I think that that time in Scotland was the first time I'd kind of been like really away from everything familiar and was processing that loss and music was the way that I did that and um, started writing songs and got back my senior year. And, you know, my friends knew me as a guy who played the guitar, but not as somebody who wrote songs. And so I had this, you know, pile of songs I started playing for my friends and they all sort of encouraged me like, hey, this stuff's pretty pretty cool you should maybe try to play some shows around town so that's what i did my senior year and decided to put graduate school on hold and um kind of the rest is history from there hey everyone don't forget to check out our friends over at the afterglowboutique.com that's the afterglowboutique.com or if you're local they have a great shop at 43 main street in blackstone massachusetts all boots and whiskey podcast listeners get 20 percent off at checkout with the promo code Boots. That's B O O T S at checkout for 20% off at the afterglowboutique.com. Check them out. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. Now, what did what, what were you doing your, with your undergrad? What were you going for? Uh, I was a history and religious studies major. So just kind of classic liberal arts, you know, learn yeah. just for the sake of learning. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what my, uh, my bachelor is in. My bachelor's degree is in, um, Oh God! What is it? It's in U.S. politics and with a minor in U.S. history with a concentration. I know, right? A concentration uh, for a minor. Um, I, lo- I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I love I loved college. I, I had a blast being like a, a good student and had a good time. So, um, I, I I actually went back. I was in, in the honors program because I was a little bit of a nerd and um, in a good way, I think. But I went back. They had me come do the commencement speech for the last summer and out of like 500 kids only like four of them were liberal arts majors and i was like oh no they're they're all going practical you know we've got yeah gotta have some dreamers out there where are you guys <laughs> now what what were, what was your plan before the whole singer songwriter thing like blew up uh i had a couple sort of options i mean i've always sort of thought there's multiple paths to to finding you know happiness in this world uh so i i 
my backup plan was law school. My primary plan was to uh, get a, a graduate degree in in history and potentially become a write like a, become an author, a biographer maybe. Um, just loved stories. Loved. I did a whole. My senior thesis was like a oral history project. So, yeah, I, don't, I didn't. I didn't have like a specific plan, but um, I, I I knew I knew how to work hard, and I was curious about a lot of things. So I, I just wasn't that worried about it. Well, you know, knowing your catalog, your music catalog that you've released, um, that that aren't Christmas songs, um, you you write a better love story than I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> you know, it, and you know, it's even with even with your wife, you know, with Ellie, you know, you guys, you guys are are, are a dynamic duo. Like you really are. Yeah, well, we're you know, she's incredibly talented, and we've got a good story to tell, and um, we've you know been fortunate to have found each other, and uh, I uh, I think my love songs are are the lens that I write them through is trying to be, you know, as honest about the, 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 the underlying sort of difficulty of life and tragedies there, you know, like my, my most famous love song that I have, the first line is sometimes I wake up with a sadness and other days it feels like madness. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's not exactly a, you know, I saw you across the room and <laughs> fell in love with your blue eyes, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I think anybody that's in, you know, has ever actually been in love with somebody or something, um, you know, understands that, you know, it, anybody that has a marriage or, you know, something along those lines, especially with kids, like you, it's a whole different ball game. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I didn't really start writing love songs until I'd been married for a couple of years. And so I think there was always like a, a little bit of an anchor of, um, what it's really like versus, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the Hollywood polished version of what, you know, what the 16 year old me thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now from those early days of the songs you were writing, how many of those saw the light of day on, on an album or an EP or, you know, at a release? Probably zero. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I was very good at songwriting when I started. I mean, I did put out an EP that um i'm pretty sure we've we've scrubbed from the internet on and, and that just because it's not very good um and those some of those songs were on that ep but it really i didn't start writing songs that i was you know wanted wanted to release until maybe a year year and a half after that but that was that was you know you still got to start somewhere you know right. i mean anybody that does anything very few people is the uh, is the first draft good enough for for release, but you still have to go through that process to sort of find your voice, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, would you say, what would you say your, I want to, I don't want to say breakout, but, um, you know, your first touch of, you know, real success was, you know, I have my idea on what it was, but I want to hear what, what your idea. Is. Oh, it was definitely live forever. Okay. Yeah. In 2009, I mean, I, we were about to quit because we didn't have any money and nobody was coming to our shows. And then I released that song and it got picked up on a bunch of TV shows. And all of a sudden our shows went from 60 people in Atlanta to 180 and 40 people in Austin, Texas to 300. And um, that was really the song that kind of gave us our first set of wings. Yeah. Yeah. Now for some, you know, I've talked to a lot of bands that have done that where it's like you put out a song on TV or, or whatever it is. And then like, it seems like overnight, you know, the whole world changes. What was that like for you? Well, it was, it, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't very drastic. I mean, it just went, it just meant that we went from like having to borrow cars to drive to shows to where we had our own van. It was paid for. Oh, okay. You know, uh, it went from, uh, five of us piling into one hotel room to now we have two, uh, and everybody's in a bed, you know, Ellie and I sharing a bed, Nathan in the other bed. So it, uh, it, you know, it meant going from super eight to Hampton Inn. Uh, (laughs) so it it was, uh, yeah, it meant going from like, you know, drinking Miller high life at the bar because they give us like two coupons each to like, oh, they're going to put a, an actual rider and put stuff in our green room. Um, so it was sort of, sort of a slow burn, but even those things were nice, you know, um, 
those are nice subtle changes and it's sort of gone up and up since then um, yeah but you know uh, we toured in a in a van and trailer for over a decade before we even hinted at getting in a, in a tour bus so um the 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 joys of touring at a sort of more successful level are never lost on us because we know uh, we're very acquainted with the 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 other you know, the other side of it yeah yeah I, yeah I, I totally get that you know i understand that. i hear that a lot you know and i think it i think it separates the really good artists from the the artists that are still you know trying to be those really good artists yeah, it's interesting. Like part of that's like, you know, you, the, the genre choice, like if I had, you know, gone and done like, you know, mainstream country, I'm, I'm amazed at how quickly like an artist can take off inside of that format if they have a radio hit. Yeah. And, you know, some artist that has played less than I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't say who the person is, but we were recently opening for a, a legendary act and the, the person that was the first of three uh they said that that was like their eighth show they've ever played and they were playing to like seven thousand people damn and i was like wow this took <laughs> me this took me 10 years and a thousand shows wow you know? and, and and you know it's because that it's more of a, in the sort of country format where yeah. you have the right people behind you and you have a radio momentum then you know there are acts that have no idea what it's like to be you know, playing a crappy club with a PA that hardly works and people smoking, you know, it's just like, it's a different, it's a different, uh, you know, but at the same time, like I wouldn't choose that because that's not the music that I want to make. So, right. Uh, it's not, you know, every to each their own. So, so do you, do you find it, you know, as an artist, the way you are right in the grind that you've done, do you, do you get a little resentful when you see, you know, like somebody from the voice or idol or whatever, like come out of that and just explode? No, no, no. Life is way too short for that sort of resentment. And yeah, and I've been around the block enough to know that. Um, I mean, I, I you know, I've, I've had artists that were that won those shows that have submitted to open tours for me, getting paid five hundred dollars a show. Like, right? It, the, the the old adage is that the sort of the the graph. If you make a graph of time and success, how people get up is how they go down and so if you skyrocket to the top super quick your fall will be precipitous and quick yeah um and if you grind it out real slow and hard you know and make loyal fans who who love a wide variety of eras of your music then unless you do something stupid and get you know get yourself canceled then you you have a slow long plateau decline and you know that's a nice that's a nice career so I, uh, I, I, it's also just like, like I said earlier, life's too short. I mean, everybody's got their own journey and I would just hate to try to be some, have someone else's. I mean, I, I'd be a liar to say that I've had that perspective all along, but I, as I get older, I just, just grateful for my journey and my story yeah. and um, don't want somebody else's. No, no, I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. So have you always been, you know, getting back to the music, have you always been, Drew Holcomb and the neighbors or when did the, when did the neighbors come into the, come into the realm? Yeah. 2008. So yeah. 2004, I was just solo Drew Holcomb. I made it, made that EP I talked about earlier. And then I made a record called Washington blue. It was a solo record. And then the neighbors and I uh, kind of, then that, the first record I put out with them was called passenger seat. And, and it's been, that's been the sort of marquee ever since the two of the guys from that era are still the same guys that are with me almost, uh, you know, let's see, Nathan and I started playing together in 2004. So, you know, 18 years, uh, and 16 years. So, uh, I mean, I've put out some stuff as a solo artist with Ellie in the last three or four years. Yeah. Uh, and that, that sort of creative, um, experiment is a little bit outside of the, is, is, is outside of the Drew Holcomb and the neighbors, thing but some of those guys still contribute musically to that as well yeah yeah um now with that um the stuff that you and ellie do together and then the stuff you do with the neighbors you know now that ellie's not technically with the neighbors anymore correct is that is that the that's, right assumption yeah that's definitely correct yeah she's not she's no longer a part of the band now how 
I know Ellie does a lot of her own stuff. And um, how does that work? Do you guys, do you still collaborate with her on her own projects and say, hey, you know, hey, honey, this is a good song or this, this song isn't so good. And can I play on uh, this song and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, but only insofar as probably other artists' spouses are sounding boards for their work. I mean, I, officially, I don't play on Ellie's records. I've only sung on one song in the last two records. Oh, cool. Um, she uses different producers sometimes and different people to play on the records and she has a different agent and, you know, it's, they're definitely separate, um, entities that we come together maybe once a year to write a song, put out a song together. And then we do a, a tour where we do a little bit of a mixture of the songs we've done together and a mixture of the neighbor songs and a couple of hers as well. And, um, really we do that just because we want our kids to see what we do and, and, and come out with us. And um, it's just a kind of fun, different way to, ex, you know, sort of express the music and do some other stuff that doesn't make sense inside of our solo career, her solo career, my band career. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, was that a tough decision to make to, I don't want to say split up, but, you know, for her to do her own thing and you to, you know, keep going on your journey? Oh, very much. Yeah. I mean, Ellie was, sort of everybody's favorite and we were concerned about <laughs> how that was going to go <laughs> but it was also but it was also very clear that it was the right thing i mean she had been writing her own stuff and, and the year that we had our our first child on the road with us was just practically very difficult i mean having a newborn and a, and a you know up to nine month old in a van for four hours a day like five days a, a week ten weeks straight is a whole lot to ask of a young new human you know yeah yeah, it's yeah. a whole lot. So Ellie definitely, the writing was kind of on the wall that, um, you know, her time in the band was, was limited. Now at the same time, like she, like it wasn't what, when people come see us now, we play together. That's not what it used to be like. She was like a, an auxiliary singer and player. It was always me and my songs and her oh, okay. sort of as like an extra band member. So more of like, you know, kind of how Patty Schialf is with the E Street Band. It wasn't right. like it wasn't like Drew and Ellie Holcomb and the neighbors, you know. Right. I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like a total, you know, it, it it didn't it didn't change that much about the nature of the music. Gotcha. Because you know all those records, if you go back and listen to them, she's just singing background vocals, you know. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense now that you explain it that way. Yeah. So do you have? You know, since you've been doing this, do you have tours and, and stuff that stick out that, you know, you wish you could recreate or, um, you know, do again? Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely tours that I look back on. I mean, I look back on most of them. And there's a lot of happy memories, but um, they're all kind of a moment in time. Uh, so you know, I'm always more excited to play newer music than I am older stuff just because, you know, you're always more kind of, it's fresh and it's exciting, it's challenging, but I'm, I still love playing the old stuff too. Um, Cause it's familiar. And, but yeah, I mean, we, we always, you know, you go on the road, there's always all these stories that we're telling each other about, Oh, you remember when so-and-so said whatever and we were in Cincinnati and this happened and the bus broke down and you know, all that stuff you just carry with you. Of course, we can't forget our friends at the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company out of Canada. That's drsupplyco.com. They have great stuff. All of the hats I pretty much wear, all the camo hats you see me wear either on TikTok or in pictures or whatnot, all come from the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company. A big thank you to those guys out there. drsupplyco.com. Check them out. Canadian company. Great stuff. Check them out. Um. But I I, I, I I just never been one to sort of wish to experience something again when it you know everything's kind of a moment in time, right? And you yeah, cel every, celebrate different. that and yeah, everything's different. So I, I yeah. I'm more of like looking forward to the next thing, next tour, the next song to write, next album to make. Um, yeah. Now, okay. So speaking of speaking of next album to make, when is the next album coming out? I know you've. Uh, you know, fam the EP family EP came out what last year, mm -hmm. and then Goodbye Road Volume Two came out this year. Yep. Um, well, we no already put out the first song. It's called Dance with Everybody. It came out back in uh, August, so that's the first song off the new record. Um, and then uh, the next song actually comes out probably 
after this will air. Uh, it comes out this week. We just announced it this morning. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Gratitude will be the second song. And we'll put out another three or four songs throughout the winter and early spring, and then we hope to put their album out in the spring. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, there'll be a tour with that, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Now, is that all planned out, or is that still in the working? Uh, I mean, it's 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 we're, the dates aren't set, but the, the timeline is sort of pretty pretty clear. Yeah. Now, for what for what you do, right? I know you know you have big success down, you know, down where you are. Um, do you? Does every tour, you know, do you bring it somewhere else that you you know you want to branch into a little more? How how do you guys decide that? Oh, sorry, you cut out there for just a second. Oh no, I was just saying. You know, with your tours, you know, you're, you're, you know, I think it's fair to say you're a lot more popular in Nashville than you are, you know, here in mm -hmm. Boston, right? So, like, yeah. how do you, how do you manage a tour that way to say, you know what, maybe not going, maybe going to Boston every year isn't the right choice, or, you know, do we go every other year, or do we go to, you know, Chicago every, you know, how, how do you decide that? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a logistical yeah. you know, conversation with venues and yeah, we're definitely, you know, with a, only a couple of exceptions, we, we try not to go anywhere more than every 18 months, just because we're at a place in our career. We've been doing it for the, for 20, you know, almost 20 years. And so you don't want to um, sort of wear out your, your welcome and right. um, yeah, just make it more special. And honestly, we have, yeah, I've got three kids, so I can't be gone. Like there's, you know, there's a hundred, a hundred great cities in America and um, another hundred outside of America. And so, uh, you know, I can't be going everywhere all the time, but um, a lot of times, it'll, you know, you get asked to do some festival or something and then you say, okay, well, let's route up to it or back and play a couple cities around that area or on the way. And um, there's no real math and science to it. It's just uh, a matter of um, sort of building it as best you can based on, you know, festivals and college stuff. And sometimes you get asked to these corporate events and you can you know, oh, you're going to be out in California already. Well, let's tack on a few shows while you're out there. They're ticketed shows. And um, yeah, there's, you know, like obviously if Ellie and I are hitting like on this upcoming residency tour, if we're hitting, you know, Chicago, we're doing a three night stand in Chicago. That, that probably shouldn't go back there with the neighbors in the fall, you know, kind right. of got to rest the rest of the, the area a little bit. So, yeah, or just, you know, there, there's no. There's no real math and science to it. It's just uh, kind of working with all your different promoters and partners and finding something that makes sense for everybody. Yeah, no, that that makes that makes all the sense in the world. It really, it really, really does. Um, for I'm curious, you know, because I know I know your music, you know, pretty well. But what is what does Drew Holcomb look like, you know, when he's not playing music? What is your what is your day to day, you know? Obviously, you're a dad, you know, first and foremost, and a husband. But, you know, what what do you like to do when you're not doing the music thing? Yeah, I got a couple of hobbies. I, uh, I'm i a pilot, so I like to fly, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I've got a lot of good friends here in town, so we'll meet up for a happy hour or have them over to the fire pit for a cigar. Or, uh, my kids are, you know, starting to get into sports age, so I'll maybe, co you know, helping coach a soccer practice or – um, watching a kid play hockey or throwing football in the backyard. I mean, I, you know, pretty normal kind of dad stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, I play a, I'm a pretty decent golfer. So I play that a lot of that's on the road, but I also play a fair bit here at home. And, um, you know, I have a weird work schedule so I can, you know, I can play golf or go flying while my kids are in school and, uh, they won't even know I know I was gone, you know? So, right. um, but yeah, I mean, those are sort of my, my general hobbies we, we like to go snow skiing if we can once a year and take the you know take the kids to do that kind of stuff i've got a old 71 bronco that i like to tinker with um i've got a pretty good bourbon collection which i'm it's gotten to, to a point where ellie wants me to get some of it out of the house so um <laughs> offloading that is, is a new hobby <laughs> well well i guess that brings us to our next question you know because we are the boots and whiskey podcast that's right know? We are, we too are starting our own little collection here. You know, that my, it's yeah. funny because my wife is like, all right, you know, we have a almost 13 year old. You, you need to, uh, you need to be careful here. This out in the open anymore. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you, what do you have in your collection that, you know, stands out that are some of your favorites? 
Well, I've got a, I mean, I'm, you know, I've got a bunch of cool stuff. I mean, the my most recent acquisitions, I got a couple of those vintage uh, chess pieces from that are old, the old crow from the seventies. Nice. Um, not sure when or if I'll ever crack those open, but um, I mean, I, I like, I like all sorts of stuff, man. I'm, I'm a big um, Heaven Hill fan. So I like Elijah Craig and yeah. Um, I mean, obviously everybody's into the Buffalo Trace stuff. I got a good bit of Weller. I've got two, two bottles of Pappy that I'm saving for a special day. Nice. Um, you know, it's fun. Sometimes I'll trade people. Uh, like I had a guy that wanted some VIP tickets to a show and he said he offered me a bottle of Bell Meat Honey for it. And I was like, well, absolutely. I'll do that. Um, but I've, I've started getting a little bit into vintage stuff, but, um, yeah. I mean, I'm also an investor in the Sweetens Cove, Tennessee bourbon, which has been fun. Um, so that's, that's a, that's kind of been an, an interesting ex- experiment learning about the bourbon learning about whiskey from the business side and not just from the you know drinking side um, yeah yeah and I, I got into like read a couple of books like um bourbon empire and then i read pappy land by Wright thompson and both of those books really kind of gave me a pretty good appreciation for the the sort of history of bourbon as it, you know it, that's the cool thing about bourbon is you're drinking time you know yeah you really um, are it's which true is not not true with anything else except for scotch which is also a whiskey so you know, yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. I did not grow up around my parents did not drink growing up. And so I kind of came into it. My manager's a big bourbon collector. And so he's the one that kind of got me into it. And, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm definitely not a, not a hoarder. I don't, I don't, if I have something, generally speaking, I'll open it up and drink it. I've got a couple of maybe a dozen special bottles that I'm saving for the right moment, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fun fun hobby. Yeah, I was actually able to get so up here, you know, up here it's tough. Yeah, uh, you know, I was able to get my hands on a bottle of Eagle Rare. Yeah, and we can't find it anywhere around here, so it's like it's still. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, I'm never opening you unless I can find <laughs> a bottle. Um, yeah, you know, that's hard. Yeah, I've got some, you know, I got some nothing crazy specialty, but you know, I have a. a Oh God, I think I got a barrel proof or um, a Yellowstone that was, yeah. um, what is it? Yeah, it's it's a single barrel yeah. um, that somebody just gave to me. They were like, hey, I don't, I have a ton of these. Do you want one? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. Um, yeah, the single yeah. barrel thing's cool because like everybody can make their own, kind of create their own unique, you know, expression of a familiar taste, which is cool. So yeah, there's yeah. a, there's a lot of cool people, companies down here in the South, obviously doing that. Um, uh, what new riff and, uh, Nashville barrel company. I see I'm looking here in my, in my, in my, um, in my little thing is old Kirk single barrel. Jack Daniels has started doing single barrels too. And it's like been really surprisingly great, even though you're yeah. like mass maker, of, you know, cheap whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I started this whole thing on Jack and, you know, started doing the, the Jacks that, you know, the single barrels and the smoother stuff. And, um, yeah. I love it. I love Jack. I, I know a lot of people give Jack a lot of shit, but I love it. Yeah. Jack has definitely stepped up their game in the last five years and they're, 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 they're not disappointing with their special releases. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess I have to say that cause I, I'm a Tennessee squire too. Um, so I mean, maybe I'm just a little biased, but I, I love everything I've ever had by them. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Now, what was the – I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch it, but what was the name of the, the bourbon company you have invested in? It's called Sweeten's Cove. Sweeten's Cove. Yeah, look it up. It's, it's, a, it's, got a, it's a cool story. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to – we do – so we do a, like a Whiskey Wednesday feature every yep. week. Um, so uh, this episode will come out – not this week, obviously, we're talking right now. Um, not next week, but the week after. So I think Thanksgiving week. So we'll uh, we'll make Sweetens Cove the uh, the feature for that week for sure. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, there's a few th- other things I wanted to touch base on uh, before I, I know you got a busy day. And I again, I appreciate your time so yeah, much. Absolutely. Do. Um, when, when you're on the road and, and doing all your things like are you at this point now where you're where you are doing the weekend warrior thing like most of you know 
a lot of other tours do where it's Thursday through Sunday and you get to be home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, that's what we did for a long time. And this year we tried something different because, you know, the last time we had a tour like that was in 2019 before the pandemic. Yeah. And I found myself, you know, we did something like 30 shows over the course of three months and it was pretty much gone four days a week for the whole thing. Yeah. And I uh, just never really enjoyed that rhythm. So this this year we tried to just knock it all out in like one month. And, you know, it was a little harder on the body, but but it was great to look up and it's October 14th and we're done for yeah. the fall. And then, you know, now I've got a bunch of weekends to, you know, we took my took our kids to homecoming at UT and we're going to, uh, we just went to my daughter camping this weekend for her birthday. And, um, you know, so I, I, it really, it'll, it'll probably go bounce back and forth. I, I, uh, I like kind of the rhythm of hitting a bunch of shows in a row, kind of like the, I feel like the band, we all start to sort of click on levels that we don't when we're just weekend warrioring, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of see the value in both and I'll probably find myself bouncing back and forth between those in, in, in upcoming years. Yeah. I can totally see how, you know, doing everything in a month would be even mentally, I'm sure it's it's a lot easier, you know, because you know it's like, all right, for the next four or five weeks, this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's there's not... definitely a, a, some of that. Right, right. Now, when when you're out and about, you know, doing doing your dad thing, do do people know who you are? Like, oh yeah, know? I mean, it's not like it's not like I'm, you know, Kenny Chesney or something, but I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely get recognized. I mean, I was uh, stopped at a restaurant and where were we Athens Alabama on the way to camping and sitting there eating you know chicken sandwich with my daughter and this you know woman comes up and oh you're Drew Holcomb can we take a picture and yeah that stuff happens pretty regularly but you know our fans are pretty chill I think yeah you know it's not like it's not like we're not like tv famous you know I feel like that that kind of fame yeah people don't, don't even necessarily like to be to be a fan of our of me you have to kind of know my work and so you know, that's different than like, oh, there's, uh, you know, you know, the guy who's on that 70s show or whatever, right. you know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not too bad. The only time I'd ever, like, if I'm eating a meal with my, like that time, you know, the chicken sandwich, like when I'm eating a meal with my kids, it can feel a little like awkward, not awkward, just, I just don't want them to feel like they have to share me with everybody, you know, but right. you know, that's, it's all right. The, the, the job has brought us a lot of joy and opportunity. So sometimes there's some, some strangeness associated with it. That's okay. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, my, my wife laughs and whenever, whenever we go out anywhere or, or do things, you know, for an event or whatever, and there's people that have either been on the show or I'm fans of, but I'm like, do you know who that is? And she's like, no, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what do you mean? No, <laughs> you yeah. know, how do you, how do you not know who this is? I talk about them all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And, um, you know, it's, you know, I, I've been very fortunate doing this and like everybody I've had on the show, you know, I've, I've had a pretty friendly relationship with, you know, after that. And I'll talk to people and they'll be like, Oh, you've had so-and-so on your show. And I'm like, yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I could have texted them an hour beforehand, uh, you know, before that conversation. And like, to me, I don't think about it, you know, at this point, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, people are people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny to see the, the different levels of fandom for, for some artists. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. Now I'll, I'll, I got one more question for you and then I'll let you get on your, let you get on your way. And again, I, I can't tell you, you know, this is like I said at the beginning, this is like a fanboy moment. You're like one of the first, I would say handful of artists when I really got into music that I like gravitated to. So this is, this is super special to me. Well, so absolutely. Yeah. Honored to be invited. Thank you. And um, so boots, what about boots, Drew? Do you, do you, ha- do you have a pair of boots that you go to? Do you hate Oh yeah, man. Do no, you... I'm, I'm a, a Lucchese all the way. Yeah. 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 I've got uh, maybe five pairs of them. Nice. Um, yeah. That's pretty much what I wear on stage every night. Um, and I've got some other, like uh, I'm totally blanking Alden. Yeah. The Alden lace ups that are pretty, pretty nice as well. But those are a little too fancy for me sometimes, but um, yeah, I mean, I've got different pairs. I got a pair of fry boots. I got a pair of Tacovas, but uh, the Lucchese's is sort of what I've been wearing since I was 25. And um, wow, I've, again, I've I've gotten to where I've got about I think I've got at least five, maybe I think I think I've got five pairs of them. You know, if you have five pairs of Lucchese's, that's that's success, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, they last forever, man. You can get a pair every three years, and then. 
yeah you still, you still have your old ones so you know if you get as long as you keep getting them resold you can yeah you know i i've got a pair of Ariats, and they're the only pair of boots i have because you know as a yeah as take I, care of them yeah you know and i i consider myself you know i live in the northeast you know i'm not i'm not on any farm or <laughs> right <laughs> you know so you know for me it's just style <laughs> it's, yeah it's, yeah uh, you know, I, I've got an image to, to uphold, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm, if I'm going out to like, you know, get in the mud, I'm wearing my like rubber boots, you know, the yeah. Wellingtons. So my boots are, my boots are stage boots. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Drew, thank you so much. I, you know, I honestly can't thank you enough and, you know, thank you for taking the time. It, it's, it means the world to me and I can't wait to, for you to hear this back and, and, uh, and share it with everybody if, if you don't mind once it comes out. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Drew. Have a great day, bud. All right, you too. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, everyone. Our conversation with Drew Holcomb. Um, At the beginning, we had a little little technical difficulty there, but um, I thank Drew for for sticking sticking with it and and getting it done with us. So so we appreciate that a lot. Um, You know, like I said, we only have a few days left to vote for Podcast of the Year, Country Talk, dirt road fm so please go to those either of those websites and find us um you can find it on our instagram it's right in the link right in our bio um i've been posting it everywhere i've been pretty much posting it daily so thank you for the nomination to them um thank you drew again and your team for having you on it was a great pleasure i really enjoyed our our whiskey conversation at the end there um definitely going to check out hopefully be able to check out um sweetens cove because that sounds delicious you know i looked them up on instagram and looks looks great um but yeah so thanks guys for tuning in today i greatly appreciate it um to all the new people that have that have come and listened because of drew being on here please go check out our other episodes you can find them on dirt road fm's side country talk side um we do have a a website boots and whiskey podcast um dot com um what else what else yeah Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Sorry, I just like had a mental like mental lapse there. Um, and yeah, you know, we, we're everywhere. Um, we have launched our Barrel Spur Entertainment. Um, we have announced that Ashley Jordan has graciously joined us. Um, Emily Peicher has joined us. Derek Lurch has joined us. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so they, <laughs> thank you to all of them. And I look forward to seeing you and hearing from you. And we'll be back next week for our, for our new episode and our first episode of December. Can you believe it? It's December already. Wow. Um, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Um, we had a great one here at the boots and whiskey podcast. So thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we are so thankful for y'all. Um, and until next week, guys, keep those boots in the ground and the whiskey in the glass. Cheers. <laughs>